0: ever been taken back by something? Well, not taken aback like you're in shock, but taken back by a memory. Well, in this episode, Chris and Coal Mountain Cal are going to take you back. So put on your square-toed dingoes, jump into them red-tag Levi's or the glory of Vanderbilts, splash on some smelly good and fire up that old's cutlass with the T-tops out, of course, and let's ease into the still of the night. Now, if the wind's blowing out of the east and you listen just close enough, you might just hear a sound coming out of Blackbeards in Gainesville, and it might sound a little something like this.
1: from high top, the historical Doc Hawkins building in beautiful downtown Coal Mountain, Georgia, you are listening to another stellar episode of The Crossing, where the music meets memories. I am Cole Mountain Cal, and over here is my buddy, Mr. Chris Cheatham, better known as Cheeto, to his admiring
2: fans. Chris, how are you doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing well, sir. How about yourself? I'm doing Excellent. As we travel down the historical road of Forsyth County.
1: Forsyth County. Did you notice the music, the intro, or not the intro music, but the uh, music that brought us in, that live track?
2: I did. You thought it was Outlaws.
1: You thought it was Outlaws doing Freeborn Man, didn't you? (laughs) No says I.
2: (laughs) Folks, y'all were in for a treat this evening. We have uh, Brother Shane Pruitt is with us and the legendary Stan Estes as well. Of the legendary Estes Brothers Band. So you're definitely in for a treat as we're going to travel into the history of, uh, of these two gentlemen and, uh, and that and that group.
1: It's a long storied history, and we are tickled to death that everybody's schedules worked out, and you all got to come in, and uh, we're going to have some fun.
3: Thank you for having us. Yeah, glad to be here.
1: Chris, I think it was probably, I don't know, 1976 or 77, I was at Sony Elementary. And school, teaching no I, no I wasn't that old yet okay schoolmate of mine named bradley evans was telling me about the st's brothers band well we had a couple st's boys in our class i'm like they're not old they don't they don't even play music i don't think he goes no you don't understand he was just getting me into the whole southern rock scene and stuff he was telling me about the st's brothers band he said man they practice right over here past the house and uh local I got to asking people and talking about it and I still was just like elementary school, so I had to wait until I got on up into uh, until
2: you at least got ten middle we could drive school. over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. But uh, it was all these these gentlemen here started it all up. Stan, what year did the uh, formation of the original formation of the band begin?
4: The, my two brothers and I uh, began playing, you know, very early in the in the late '60s, uh, and uh, as uh, time went on we got we were just three local guys playing um, and um, we were all just self-taught we we we, uh, we actually learned to play I started playing in the uh, in our mom and dad's living room it was the only living room that had good furniture in it and uh, you know our mom and dad uh, watched if it, when they watched bonanza they uh, they watched Ben Cartwright by reading lips. They never heard anything. Uh, it, was, uh, it was just... <laughs> they lost their hair. They, really. they, they. But uh, uh, we we began to get out more. I was uh, playing a lot with uh, some older musicians at that time, um, some really influential guys around the county. and they were, they were It was great that they sort of took me in.
1: So when you say your brothers, that was
4: Phil, Phil and, and Greg. Greg. Yes, uh-huh. And Greg played the drums. Mm-hmm. Greg, Greg was drumming then, and, and as well, and Phil on bass. And um, we um, we just begun to work more and more at home. Uh, and uh, um, I went once I went away to school uh, in 1970 to Carrollton. We sort of called it off i was playing a lot of uh, clubs and and stuff like that during college years just trying to make some money to eat west georgia yeah
2: and so you, you established a band in West Georgia, or found a group of guys you
4: know that were playing that was I, I interested picked, in the same kind of music as you. I picked up uh, picked up several bands, and I would sit in with uh, people you know to make twenty dollars a night was a you know but still good. Was, was good good money <laughs> yeah, still good money and that, was good. <laughs> that was that was groceries yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know and uh, but I had a I had an old three thirty five you know fed me sometimes
1: so was it a country influence back when you were growing up or were you just Pulling everything in from all directions. When you're we were at this raised, age.
4: we were raised with musicians around us. Uh, my uncle was a professional musician, uh, and he was always coming in with other really great musicians around our home. And, and you know, my folks were. Uh, you know, they sang the old country songs, the old gospel songs, and you know, we. Uh, there was a mini night on the porch of the swing, and you know, we'd sit around, you know, uh, sing as loud as we could, you know, even if it wasn't very good, but uh, uh, you know, and make music. But we we came up uh, with music in our house. Yes, exactly. Shane, what about your beginnings in music?
3: Um, you know, when I first started playing, my my mom actually had me playing the piano. I hated that. I didn't like doing all the, the
1: guys that stay. They started playing the piano. Hated it, but they said it was a <laughs> you did a, too. Hated
3: it. You hated it. <laughs> but at the
1: end, they say it helped them musically. Mm-hmm. I?
3: I don't think I stuck with it long enough for it to really help me <laughs> in any way. But I just knew knew that I hated the recitals and, and that kind of thing. You know. And my mom said, "Well, what do you want to play?" And I said, "Well, guitar." You know. And so I picked the guitar up and kind of stuck with it for. Uh, Long time went through uh little iterations of bands here and there and I remember our first pay, paying gig was at a party where uh, me and two other guys we, we made a dollar each. That was that <laughs> was our pay for that. Yeah, it was cash. It had to be cash. <laughs> what
1: was your first uh
3: model guitar? Uh it was a um do you remember the uh Sears um silvertone Silver tone, uh-huh. Yeah. I had uh, mom and dad got me one that was, uh, I remember it was black and white. And oddly enough, I mean, it was a pretty good guitar, but... Well, those
2: are kind of a collector's <laughs> item
3: now, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. They are. And this was the one that had, do you remember the had the case? And the amp, was the amp all one yeah. thing. You had the amp up in one little and speaker up in one little corner, and you put the guitar and you know, closed it up, and there you had everything. Amp, guitar, all in one case.
1: I used to love looking in that Sears Christmas book and see those guitars. Mm. And they, they look oh, I like thought this. you were
2: going to say the lingerie
3: section.
2: <laughs> That's another story. That's next week's show. <laughs> So, Stan, your major influences were, were a lot of country and and uh, gospel, as like mm-hmm. you said. And, yeah. and, Shane, your influences that kind of drove
3: you to play music would be... Well, you know, I mean, I, rock was pretty much my first thing, I, even though my dad was hugely um, into country. In fact, he promoted country music um, for a long time, and uh, me and Randy Sorrells and... Uh, his brother, Stan Soros, we had we put together a group. Uh, we called ourselves the Long-Haired Country Boys. And uh, we opened, yeah, there was from Jim Ed Brown and a bunch of these old country guys. We did that for, for quite a while. So uh, that's, that's really kind of where I really kind of got started into that.
1: Chris, you got to ask him about the first song on his guitar, because you ask everybody we ever talk about.
2: <laughs> first song. All the way through that you could play.
3: Oh my! Oh my God!
2: Say, here I'll go ahead and confess mine. It's not smoke oh. on the water.
3: <laughs> well, I started to say that <laughs> it's love but, me tender. Really? Because I <laughs> I remember I remember taking lessons and Wildwood Flower was <laughs> one of the, the ones that I Who played. Who was your
4: instructor? With. You remember?
3: Well, yeah, I absolutely. Remember it was uh, my uncle. Yeah, Hawaii. Hawaii. Yeah, my grandfather used to take me over to guitar lessons. and we'd stop and eat it. I think it's Barry's barbecue. Mm-hmm. If you remember that. Oh the, yeah so uh yeah but
4: my first uh, one was a little brown jug little, yeah. you know, jug. little <laughs> brown
3: jug
4: yeah I, 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 it took a couple of months to get that and uh, you know, I, I finally got it out
2: <laughs> well I, I started out on the banjo so uh my first song was cripple creek right
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> folks we're just getting started we're going to take a uh, quick break and let some of our sponsors come in and talk to you and we're going to take you out with some uh, classic ST's Brothers music. I think it may be an original. We'll talk about that when we come back. You're listening to The Crossing, where the music meets some memories. We're here with the uh, ST's Brothers band. Members of them, Stan ST's and Shane Pruitt. We'll be right back after this message.
5: Transforming the way you listen to sports. Yep,
6: we've covered all of it. At least since 1978, 79, 80, 81, 82. Okay, you get the point. We've got it covered. The North Georgia Sports Link. Go ahead. Like us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Keyword search North Georgia Sports Link.
5: Come see us at Pete's Castle in Cole Mountain. Get yourself some hoop cheese or salty fish right out of the barrel. Fill her up with some fresh petrol, regular and ethyl. Lance crackers are a good cold knee high. Don't forget to try your luck out on a punch board. New ones every week. Located on Highway 9 in Cold Mountain, that's Peach Castle, where the customer is the king.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, that was a live track from the Estes Brothers. We got brother Shane Pruitt here. We got Stan Estes. Stan, tell us what track we were
4: just hearing there. It's a live track. That's a live track. It was recorded in 1980, uh, and uh, we had um, I'd, I'd put the words and lyrics down on that song, and just sort of had a little bit of. Um, uh, a little bit of flavor how it wanted to go and and the band got together did an arrangement with it and we started using it out some and the crowd always kind of liked
3: it it was pretty good you know we had a good time doing it you know listening back on all that stuff <clears throat> I wish that we had well I say we Stan wrote pretty much everything that we always did but then by the time the whole band got <clears throat> a hold of it and we did all did our parts and came in then we had some nice songs I, I wish we had uh, spent more time writing originals
4: really uh you know it it if we had we'd put ourselves into it but you know we we were always just on the minute i mean we were just having such a good time anyway uh it, it didn't it was one of the, it wasn't one of the things that we focused on and i wish we unlike you i wish we had yeah.
1: so talking with a band shane let's talk about when you hooked up with these uh rascals because you were you came in a little bit later
3: correct I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't remember the, uh, <clears throat> the year it was, but I do remember, like, uh, hearing these guys the first time, was it Eagle Creek Clubhouse mm-hmm. that you guys had, they had played down at Eagle Creek Clubhouse, and I was down there, <clears throat> and uh, uh, that was my first interest, and I'm not really sure how it came about when uh, we started playing together, the, do you recall yeah. that? Uh, we, after I
4: graduated college, um, I moved to uh, a farm. it's now John's Creek. And um, it was 300 acres, and I had to manage the farm. I was teaching school at the same time, and it was surrounded by acreage. And um, I just moved in there and was going to live there for two years, but the almost new house had a full basement. So um, Barry Lewis, who was between bands at that time, a drummer. uh, And uh, Greg and Phil and I moved the gear down in that big basement. And, uh, of course, we could play just like we want to. We weren't going to disturb anybody. A little bit later on, um, Barry had purchased a Hammond organ. And uh, we picked up the phone call Jerry Farr one night to come down and jam with us. And wound up that Jerry stayed uh, for about a year. And Jerry was with us when we did our first, show uh we were in that basement and we kind of made a, a vow that we weren't going to tell anybody that we, we were rehearsing or anything uh we were we wanted to be serious about what we we're doing we didn't want rehearsal to turn into a party uh as and, they uh, will as they will mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh so nobody knew that we were even playing so what and year do you think this probably that was, was 70 was. Uh,
1: 72 72 uh-huh. this is like the whole making of like. Like an Almond Brothers movie or something. <laughs> <laughs> Out on the farm or the Skinner and that kind of stuff. It was just the whole thing, bringing in the B3s. and yeah. Which was a scene back in those days because that yeah. stuff was really picking up and, and getting steam.
4: Uh, the first show we did was at the Village Cinema Theater. Uh, and uh, we had no idea that how we'd be received. Uh, and we went on stage and we were just like, God, you know. And. Uh, um, we we kicked off the first song and uh, I remember very well. We were we were pretty nervous. We didn't know we'd be accepted or anything, cause you know, uh, first time on the stage doing this anywhere besides the basement. And uh, the lights came up and I, I could see about six rows back and what I what I saw. Uh, I, I, everybody was grinning. And a bunch of people were bobbing their heads. And, you know, I, I looked around and I saw those people were kind of proud of us.
2: Yeah, you start feeding off of them. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. In that, during that time, was, was there a hunger, do you think, for people to see live music?
4: Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and one of the things the SD Brothers have always been about is live production. We, we're we firm believers in live music. Because that's uh, something
2: that it's sad, really. I mean, but being in a band nowadays ain't as cool as it used to oh be. Oh, no. And and people just don't get out to see live music anymore. I mean, granted, we've got venues that you can go to and, and see live bands. But it, the scene
4: is, unfortunately, is not as sexy as it used to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not. It's not. But um, after that, uh, Jerry went on to a career up around in Tennessee, around Nashville, and was there for a long time. And uh, we were talking amongst ourselves, and I think it was Barry said, I think Shane is between bands. And... um, um so we called him, and he said, "I'll bring my equipment down. We'll jam some." And said, "You know, if you don't like me, he said I'll, you know, pick it up." No harm, no foul. And Thirty-five years later, he's still there. You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it, we we just hit it off immediately. So y'all played at the Eagle Creek Clubhouse. Uh, that was that was uh, that was earlier earlier oh, okay yes, early early yeah, yeah. the man was already working uh, when when Jane came yeah. in and Jerry left. So, but uh, we just. Uh, she Jane's vocals, his guitar playing, uh, just really enhanced what we were doing, and uh, it, he was just—it was just a perfect fit. And uh, after a lot of miles up the road, we
3: still, you know, still do it again every once. Well, in a it hour. was, you know, it made it easier because, um, as we were talking about earlier, you know, when you, it's hard to get four or five, six people on the same same mindset, you know, in some place at the at the same time, and uh, it just it 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 kind of worked from day one with us. Everybody was on had the same mindset, the same page musically. We liked the same stuff, and everybody was so into it. I think I was telling you earlier that. We were rehearsing two times a week for i mean for years, so uh, and seldom ever did we ever have to cancel. I mean, we just banged it out,
4: yeah, mm-hmm. and, and very few people ever missed a job now, i don't I don't think we i think we missed one job when my grandfather died that day uh and uh, but i but you know we didn't consider it we didn't consider not making rehearsal or we didn't consider not being there for a job. It was just not it's done. part of it, yeah.
1: Yeah, nowadays you can't. Four people you don't try to get work schedules and stuff. Much less two times a week. Yeah,
4: yeah. we 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 Absolutely. would literally we would literally sometimes play a three night job on the weekend, a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, unload on Sunday, practice on you know Tuesday, Thursday, and go back again. Uh, and that wasn't unusual. You know, we right. did that. We did that a lot. You know.
1: We heard somebody say one time, practice will kill a killer band, but evidently not with this one.
3: <laughs> it enhanced it. Now, we we enjoyed that time. It, I it's mean, Patterson Hood said that. Yes. It, yes. it was a great camaraderie. We, we enjoyed each other, you know, and we always had a good time. I won't get into too much of that because it's a family show, but. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we are on the internet. No, no FCC regulations. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
4: but, you know, we. we, uh, we it was we always had such a great following the following we had it when was, we, when was, we were there
1: i wish I mean, chris i wish you could have been around back in those days cuz that was, was it it was, was like a party every, every time, time
3: we played somewhere and we just like you were talking about earlier we fed off of those live performances mm-hmm. you know
2: oh it's all about the live gig
3: yeah um
2: and what was the what was the thought during that time with all that work and all that playing out was it a chasing of just playing and, and being out there or did you have a vision that potentially that there this could go beyond the hundred mile radius I guess of playing, you know, clubs locally? I've I've said many
4: times that stage lights are addictive. You once you get out there and and those lights come up on you and you know those people came to see you Mm-hmm. They paid their money, and uh, we always just said, we're going to give it back and they're going to come back again and we're going to give them more than they paid and we're going to, and they'll come back again and they did you but know
3: I, I mean? you know, but I think we we kind of live f- for the time for the day you know mm-hmm. I, I don't think we ever really thought we would try to make it or you know go down that road. It was right. just too much uh, fun. yeah we it really was it really was and and
4: everyone had family everyone had jobs and you know to to just uproot yourself and take a gamble uh you know you're, there's a lot of good musicians walking the streets in Nashville that, that, that you know were oh yeah you know needing need uh and we knew that uh, and we just we kind of looked at it, and said we're having a great time, uh, you know. We're we're uh, you know we're 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 making some money at what we're doing, uh, and and paying our bank loan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at the same time, and uh, it, it was it was just something we we uh, we loved. We loved the the people that came to see us, and you know the people people that were around us that supported us was um, I think I kept a lot of us going. Awesome. Folks, we're uh,
1: we've we just barely scratched the surface on this subject tonight. We're going to come back here in just a few minutes and talk to some more about some of the live shows and what was going on back in the day, musical set lists and equipment and that kind of stuff. And uh, who knows what else we'll talk about? But I think we got another surprise live track we're going to go out with as we go to uh, commercial break, I guess. And When we come back, we'll get Stan to talk some more about the song. So, you listen to The Crossing, where the music meets the memories. A lot of music and a lot of memories tonight. Cole Mountain Cal, Chris Cheatham, Stan ST, Shane Pruitt, and the Good Doctor producer, Steve Thomason, back there, turning dials and making smiles. We'll be right back after this message. (laughs)
6: Looking for affordable propane prices and the best service? No worries. Call Mills Fuel Service today for fast, courteous service that will have your tank filled and ready for the cooler temperatures. Mills Fuel Service is dedicated over 50 years of service to North Georgia, providing clean, efficient propane at affordable prices. Tank rentals are available. Three locations to serve you in Dawsonville, Cumming and Devonaga. Call them today, 706-265-3394. Mills Fuel Service, for all your LP gas services.
5: There's no gas wars incoming. We've got the best prices in town at 49 dollars a gallon at Marlar Oil. Two locations to serve you Marlar Oil number one at Highway 19306, or on the south side of Marlar Oil number two, Highway 19 and 141.
4: track gypsy lady is that right stan At the gypsy lady recorded where at uh it was recorded in 1980 at uh the big club blackbeards in gainesville and that was right on the square in downtown uh-huh, Gainesville, just right right? Off the square. uh-huh yeah and uh it became sort of our i guess you could say is our home ground at home base Wouldn't
3: you, Shane? yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah let's talk about some of those days Where, where all did you guys play
4: at Anywhere we had a contract, pretty well. Um, <laughs> and who did the? Who was the businessman of the band? Who did all the booking? I, I you. I was. Yeah, uh, it was. Uh, that was the days before email and right. uh, things like that. So you know, and at one time we had, you know, we we. It was not unusual for us to have 12 or 13 people, you know, on the payroll, and to call all those people, uh, and say, be here at a certain time. We're loading to leave, and generally we loaded at Harry's. Uh, groceries, gas, and beverages. Uh, Keyword: beverages. <laughs> yes, uh, and uh, uh, but uh, that was our that was our meeting place, and uh, they were always good to advertise our shows as well. So we, we we one of our songs we wrote we included a line about
3: it. Oh yeah, I remember but, uh, that.
4: <laughs> but uh, uh, we yeah, you know we we we'd hit the road. We played we played a lot of fraternities. We uh, we did a lot. Surprisingly, we did a lot of high schools as well. Uh, And at Versailles County High, we played numerous, numerous shows. That was the
1: first time I ever heard the band because, like I said, I was too young to get in any clubs back in the day, and I heard about them. And then, uh, lo and behold, I get to middle school, and there's this class. They call it P-E-C-E. I don't know what it stands for. I can't remember. This man man over here probably (laughs) does because Stan Estes was the director or the teacher. You would go in one day a week. Or I forgot. You would stay in his class all day long, and he had this little. I I, I don't know why I was riding because it, it was a short bus, but it, he would I'd <laughs> drive that little bus all around, coming, yeah, and he would drop you off at like Western Steer, uh, somewhere else, and half of you would work. Uh, like he get you accustomed to working in the workforce, and I, I'd go wrap baked potatoes at Western Steer mm-hmm. and stuff.
4: We went on tours. Had tours to the with we the airport. We right? went to the
1: airport up in the uh flight tower yeah they just pushed us right up like we was presidents or something oh, you can't even get through there and
4: through uh the, what is that tsa now we were up in the name control oh, yeah. tower we was walking around and said what does that do you know, yeah, so anyway, I don't know. he well, can't, us all that not talk right we now. would get down
1: to atlanta do that touring and, and be back in one day but anyway one day we were cutting through traffic in town and uh this big uh Pepsi truck pulls in front of us, and I know he don't remember it, but I remember it, because like I was always in awe, because Stan Estes was the teacher, you know. And he would he would hint about it, a little bit about his playing days and stuff, but he wouldn't give too much away. And uh, we got cut off by the Pepsi truck, and he's like, Pepsi man, don't you play that hand too long. I'm like,
0: <laughs> I said, Mr. Estes, was that
1: Molly Hatchett, Whiskey Man? <laughs> it might have been, he said. <laughs> but anyway... Fast forward, ninth grade, 81, I guess I was a freshman. Mm-hmm. Yep. Five bucks got you in the high school dance after the football game. And it wouldn't start until like 10,
3: 30, quarter yeah. to 11 at mm-hmm.
1: night. And that place was packed. I don't know how many people that wasn't even in high school would filter in there.
4: But yeah. Yeah. Talk a little bit about those load-ins and equipment y'all had. Well, it was like moving a house. Uh, we, we, uh, we had, of course, back then big gear was, was needful, I suppose, but uh, we, it was like moving a house. Yeah. We all done. had those arena wedges. Uh, yeah. Style. Huge, huge. huge. And, uh, you know, if it hadn't been for a good crew, we could have never done it, but we had a, we had to, we had to work broke down. Everybody had a job and, uh, you know, we'd, we had a big truck. We'd, we'd start unloading and start building and, um, you know, we had, we. It was in our contract that we'd have three and a half hours. It advanced to the stage, and it took it. It took it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it took it. But uh, you know, we we had we we had we ran a big PA, big lights, uh, and um, you know, people liked the show. But it was I think it's because we we went to the extra mile, you know, to to try to make it good for people that that uh, you know maybe kept them coming back.
1: Uh, if you can transform a lunchroom into what seemed like a
3: ding. Yeah, well, we we played there one night, and uh, we well, we actually got there that afternoon, and all the tables, yeah. the chairs were still out. <laughs> so everybody started trying to get the tables and stuff down. And Big Al, he was a keyboard player. He dropped one of those tables on his toe. And it just started. Blood was oh, yeah. everywhere. And no. he played that night with his with his foot sitting on top of a towel, and it just red blood uh, red. We, we went about
4: to stop.
1: This was uh, mm-hmm. Alan Watson, I Alan guess. Yes. Yeah, Alan
4: Watson. Alan Watson. But uh, you know, after Shane joined, uh, it was uh, about um, it was uh, about seventy five. Um, we uh, we heard that Alan was in between bands and all, and, and I think we just. Picked up the phone, and said, why don't you bring your piano over and you know make a little racket? That was it. Uh, as soon as we heard it, uh, and you know we we had been going hard for about a year, and we saw that that was going to that's what we needed. It rounded us out. Well,
3: I think Alan and I had actually played. We played in the yeah. band together. Slam yeah. was the name of it, and. Um, We weren't doing that much, and then when I left, started playing with Estes, and then uh, you know I said, "Hey, we need we need some keys," and then Big Al came along, and kind of rest was history from that point.
4: Music leaks out of Alan Watson's pores. (laughs) I mean, he's 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 just so musically talented. But uh, we had um, right before Alan Jimmy White played for Mm -hmm. a little while. We would uh, that way we had three guitar players, um, and. multi vocals uh as well, and you know jimmy Jimmy stayed about a year i think, and uh, then alan came in and alan did was you did the... you
2: always have a keyboard player? did you always have somebody playing keys or was
4: that no uh... no um um the we Jerry played there at the beginning, and uh then we were without a keyboard player for like a couple of years. And then, uh, then when Alan joined in, he, he was there. He was there till we were till we were finished. So.
3: Let me add something to <clears throat> Being, you know, we were talking about us being a big band, and we did a battle of the bands in Marietta, I think, once. And and the grand prize was uh, recording at Lefevre studios and then we i guess one of the people that put it on had a club called the atlanta bistro i believe it was and and then we got to go play there so this was back in our dual drummer days so we got to the bistro to play and they had a had a corner stage about half the size of this room about six by six that we were all supposed to get into you couldn't have gotten one (laughs) set of drums on that much less having two drummers we're trying to figure out what we're going to do yeah most of us were in the floor and everything else just spread out yeah just spread it
1: out we played uh, one night up in dahlonega i had my kit i was under the tv it came out from it was (laughs) over my head i was playing under the tv (laughs) stuff you got to do just yeah you you make it make it and by this
3: time y'all had moved your practice location i guess over well i mean we at one point in time we went over near our um, where I grew up around Dugtown, right to an old house that my great grandmother had that we called the old house, and we we were there for a while. Yeah, quite a while.
4: Yeah, and uh, it, that was that was a great great uh, rehearsal place too as well. I had a refrigerator.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah did
4: for beverages, Chris.
3: <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. keep yes. And and snacks. Snacks. Keep water in there. Yeah.
1: Now, how much could you? How much do you remember? How much like the uh, like a high school dance would pay back in those days?
3: I, I, I believe we generally made $600. Yeah, something like that. It's kind of what what you make nowadays. Maybe. <laughs> same money. Say maybe. Maybe it's
2: the exact same thing now. It's well, 500 well, They count the band members, and they say, we'll give you uh-huh. 50 and 50 and 50 mm-hmm. and you got a bar tab. But the bar tab is $25. But sometimes we wouldn't play with an hour and a half. Uh, you know, on the we'd go Friday on, nights, sure. yeah. We'd go oh, on. so it'd just be an hour and a half gig. Uh-huh. That was a question I was going to ask that whenever you go and you play a lot of these venues. Well, the high school, will say, it was an hour and a half. But if you went and played like a club, three hours, three sets? Mm-hmm. Three wrong. or four, yeah, wrong.
3: sometimes. I mean, there was uh, – I forgot, we were playing somewhere, and it was uh, a three-night or four-night gig. And like the first night, you know, by 11 o'clock, everybody cleared out, but we were – we were on contract to play till one o'clock in the morning, and they had us to play till one o'clock in the morning. It wasn't the soul there. wasn't so yeah. there. We yeah. just, just turned around, and yeah, figured some stuff out. Done that around. as well. And what mm-hmm. did
1: an impromptu
2: practice? Yeah. Sure. yeah, yeah. Work on stuff. Sadly, it, 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 what would a set list consist of? I know you had a lot of original material, but I'm sure you covers were a necessity.
3: Well, we were primarily uh, Southern Rock. I mean, we were uh, Thirty Eight Special, Skinnered, uh, outlaws, you know, that whole thing. That was kind of our, that was our sound. And we did some Alton Brothers, too, you know. And then as the uh, we brought Big Al in, of course, you know, the, with the piano. And he, he had that Billy Powell, you know, thing going on with all the Skinner stuff. And, and we just, man, we knocked that out. It was just, and the keys just opens up freedom oh, you know, to was, all uh, the other musicians. Absolutely. And then, a bit like Stan was saying, you know, Big Al, he, he could also play uh, harmonica. Harp. Yeah. yeah and he, train, train. Train, train, train. train yeah, that train. was one of our... People loved that song, oh, and gosh, he was yeah. so good at that. And sing.
4: Sure. Uh, everybody's always asking, so, you know, I've heard people say, said, so, you know, when y'all were on stage, it, y'all were, it seemed like you were gliding. I've heard people say that about us a lot. And I think it had to do with the fact that that we had, you know, everybody always asks me who's the most important person in the band, I'll tell them it's the drummers and the bass player. Um, and we had good solid foundation behind us always and um you know heck when when shane and alan came on i knew that my part i had to bear down vocally because i mean who needs another guitar player when you got shane pruitt and alan watson on piano you know <laughs> but uh, uh that by the way that's the way that's about the time i picked up slide and i picked up a
3: slide bar throw another dimension to mm-hmm. it yeah and so, uh, well, it gave you some freedom as well. Yeah. When you got that many instruments going, you know, it's not like you don't feel like you have to play all the time. I mean, as you guys know, part of of having a good sound and being professional is knowing. When to play and when not to play, mm-hmm. you know. So it's like somebody, like if Stan was playing, he could throw in some fills or whatever while he was singing, and wouldn't have to necessarily worry about the, the rhythm, carrying the rhythm, you know. So it just it just worked out really well.
4: It, we always had this thing too. There there wasn't this competition that you see among bands members a lot of time. We didn't have that. We were a team, uh, and um, it, you know everybody felt the same way. I mean, nobody was there to outdo the other one. We were there to make good music. And uh, it was important to us that it, that it come out good, uh, even if there wasn't anybody there. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we felt that way at rehearsal. People would come to our rehearsals and just leave because it was so boring.
3: Uh, we would We'd work on one song two, three nights. Yeah. But that's... Part of where it came in, we were talking about the glide, you know, because we were so well rehearsed that that
4: was the easy part.
3: Yeah, when we got out, once you to got play, it,
4: that was the only time it was too short.
1: Huh? Yeah, yeah,
3: absolutely. So now, I'm sorry, ahead. Chris. Go.
1: No,
4: you go ahead. You're
2: younger. <laughs> <laughs> At least he admitted that. When you when you think about the clubs that you had played and and the and the the different venues. Was there ever a. What, what were your brushes of greatness of people that you got to perform with or open up for, or someone maybe who opened up for you that went on to do something um, nationally known or whatever? Did you have any moments like that? I,
4: I guess the biggest thing we did was when open um, yeah. we opened for Whalen. We did two shows opening for Whalen, and there was, was over 4,000 people there for both of them.
1: Lanierland? Yeah. Lanierland. Lanierland. Told, that was at that sp- Yeah, speaking of brushes with fame, I heard there was a brush with the uh, road manager.
3: Yeah, we had a little mix-up there. There,
4: there. was a misunderstanding. Enlighten <laughs> um, <laughs> <And> us, please, <laughs> because we're curious now. Well, <laughs> it, um, my brother Phil had a son Model T. it was like nice. I, oh, and uh, it was on stage, and, and the bass player saw it, and he didn't want to sound check. He, he said, said, could you let me use that please he said and he said we'll have to get ours off and he said it doesn't sound anything like that and Phil said you know Phil's wife was pregnant I mean was just about to have the baby and uh, he said I need to get home he said I'll make it worth your while and uh, uh, he said "He said, I'll give you fifty dollars to day for the second show and uh, so Phil said okay you know well um, when, when it came time to go home, the road manager had decided that he wasn't paying, and um, we we discussed it. <laughs> and, In depth. Uh, but, but he was good. He was finally good about giving up his money, uh, and uh, we we finally went on home, and the baby was born about the next day
3: or so. So, but. Uh, but that's the only time we've ever had any kind of.
4: We were we were notoriously easy to work with and we had a good contract um and uh we never had any uh you know disturbances most people were glad to to have us that we they knew we were there to work we knew they knew we were there to do them a good job and uh you know we 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 certainly weren't hard to get along with uh as far as anything like that the the contract you know they knew what to expect and so did we so we, we went really well
2: well, Cal and I have been using that um, that line of being good guys and easy to work with for many years, and it hasn't got us nowhere. <laughs>
7: <laughs> it hasn't got us in trouble either. So we're though. thinking
2: about just becoming a couple of assholes for <laughs> a while, <laughs> and then see if that works out. Hey, give it a shot.
1: <laughs> no, we've never. I don't. I don't think we've ever had any issues with any. Club owners or booking people or anything over the years that I can I, remember,
2: I got punched in the mouth in '92 at a punk rock club uh, because I was arguing with a bouncer over pay, you know, <laughs> and uh, lost a tooth over it. And I ain't ever had no problems since. It's strange. Oh yeah, I learn. I learn.
4: <laughs> it's always a bigger boy.
2: Have you ever played behind chicken wire?
4: I have it was with the Estes brothers though I was in the early days when we were doing uh some clubs downtown with uh, uh like I said I played with some older guys and uh yeah, I was glad
3: it was there when there went there one a club up uh you guys used to play up in uh, just across the line in north north carolina yeah like
4: there was yeah it was it was a real <laughs> nice and too uh I, that's where my acoustic got broke oh really yeah uh, a, a fight broke out. And, you know, fights never broke Imagine
3: out. Imagine that in a place with uh, chicken, place wire. chicken <laughs> wire.
4: But uh, there, this place didn't have the wire uh, there, but uh, uh, someone threw a bottle and hit uh, hit my Gibson acoustic in the peg head, and every tuning key flew out. Uh, and uh, I got down on my hands and knees and picked up the splinters and uh, and glued it back together. <laughs> but, uh, oh, my goodness. It's it's out there in the cave. Uh, and did uh, you
1: guys win, I heard one time in a and it may be false about it. I heard you won like a stint at y'all were going to be like offered the uh, a job at Six Flags being a band at one time. Did I hear that or was I wrong about that?
4: We we did um, we did a battle of the bands at Six Flags. OK. Uh, and, and that was right before Chain came in.
3: Yeah, cause uh, I, I was gonna say I didn't remember. Uh-huh, that one, so.
4: Yeah, and <clears throat> uh, we, uh, we the ninety six Rock had had put on a big battle of the bands down there, and we kind of knew them, knew uh, Drew Mary as well, and uh, uh, he wanted us to come play at it, and we were we were there. It was a kind of a weird story. Drew had to get some paperwork, and uh, to he had to go to his car, and we went outside the park. And he went and got it, and we came back in, and um, they they were waiting on us uh, on stage, you know, and they would they wouldn't let either one of us back in, and, and, and of course Drew was the manager at 96 Rock. He said, "Look, he said, I'm I'm Drew Murray. He said we're doing the Battle of Bands right here." He said, "We and the little girl behind the, the counter, no," <laughs> and you know we were standing out there, the, and and they finally called the management, and uh, then and got us back in. We certainly didn't go out again, though. No. But uh, uh, yeah, well, it was, that was a good hot day. Yeah,
1: so we got to get back to the. Uh, we can't play six flags. We got to get back to Eagle Creek Clubhouse. <laughs> That's where we
2: got to start. The only one of the only places in
1: South County that I wish I. Well, we may have to do this. We may have to get back and, and have a big reunion show or something up there at Eagle Creek because I want to play there one
2: time just for the uh, nostalgia part of it. Now I want to go. I want to go back to opening up for Whalen. You get told that you've got the gig
4: to open up for Whalen. What year was this? 76, 77. I seven, don't something like remember that. that. I'm, I'm not certain. No. But it was in, it was in mid-70s. the mid 70s. So it's the
2: mid 70s. Yeah. Whalen's definitely On top. huge at that point. Mm-hmm. On top. Oh, yeah. Top, top of the game. How do you, how do you choose a set list? When you know you got to open up for Waylon Jennings, and you know you, 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 I'm sure that when you go to do that, you think about the crowd that's going to be there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you also think about well, I mean, it's Waylon Jennings. You, you kind of showing up. You want to impress sure. the man too. Fit in. Yeah. How do you how do you select?
4: Uh, we we had a, a a good enough set list to where we could we could pull some songs that were sort of, you know, a little more country flavored. Yeah, uh, um, we we jazzed them some uh, on both shows, but I remember the band saying, "said you know this is kind of nice having something a little different before us." Uh, and the, the Waylon's band were really nice people. They were really they were really super people to work with, and. uh uh, they were very complimentary. They said, you know, they, they were supportive of us. You know, it was really, it's a fun gig, you know, of course. You know.
2: And how did y'all line that, how did that gig come to be? Were the Hamby sick?
7: <laughs> 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 <laughs>
4: they had, was, the, was the garage behind? You know, on I, cars? <laughs> I... I
3: for had front-end alignment, Clayton. <laughs> <laughs> for the life of me, I can't remember. Um... I think it's really all about just getting to eat up there beforehand. Before, you know, yeah, you know they always put on a big spread. Mm-hmm. Who was it? that cooks, up Mama there? Lois. Yes, yeah. Mama Lois. Yeah. Oh, everybody. I mean, heck, hell, everybody wanted to play up there from Nashville just because come down there to With eat With banana pudding. Yeah. If you read a lot of their bi- uh, biographies.
1: When they ride they talk about Lanair Land and Mom and is cooking at some great. point in their on their touring days.
2: Yeah, Cal and I were all we're always going to every Marty Stewart show. If he's within a hundred mile radius, mm-hmm. Cal and I are at a Marty Stewart show and we always try to find some way of getting back stage or at the bus to talk to him. And that's the one thing he always mentions about the food that was mm. in there. And then the the players pickers that he's got going with them, They that's the first thing they mention. Yeah. You know, oh, you from coming, George? Yeah. Go with Lanier Land, well, remember that banana pudding they used to
4: have back there. <laughs> we and, uh, they they used to laugh. They said that George. I think it was George Jones. It was the first uh, uh, first act to play uh, at Lanier Land, and the Estes brothers were the last act. We we were the last act to play there with Banks and Shane.
3: Yeah, that's right. I remember them. Uh-huh.
4: And uh, we we did the last show there. It was kind of kind of sad to walk off there. We knew it was the last show. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but uh, that was a great old stage.
1: Yes, it right. was. I got a piece of it framed at my house. Oh, really? And I yeah. did too. A we few. did.
3: You know, we were talking about um, Waylon. I remember that night that we were there walking through. I guess the green room, and uh, that was when was he either married to or. Traveling with was it Jesse Coulter, Jesse Colter. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. He was uh, married
1: to her, I think, at yeah,
3: the time. I saw her and I remember she had, she was writing a song or something. She'd wound up and thrown it in the trash can. I remember by, I remember looking at it. I wish I'd have picked it up and kept it. Like,
1: oh. <laughs> it's funny how those little, little memories click mm-hmm. back once you start.
3: And then mm-hmm. come to think of it,
1: I'm pretty sure I was at that show and saw the Sts brothers. So it really wasn't the first time that I seen them was at the high school. I think it was at Lanierland that night because I remember that. So yeah. I'm pretty sure because I, we, mom and dad had to go see Waylon every time he was at
2: Louisiana, <laughs> so I'm sure I was towed alone. And I might have been at that show too. Leon Jones is my uncle. Oh, yeah. And okay. So yeah. you know, yeah. when I was a kid, we just packed up every weekend. We, I lived in Ackworth at the time. We would drive over here for every show, and I was always out there playing cutball <laughs> out in the yard and not listening to the music at the age of you know <laughs> six, seven, and eight years old. But might have been. Stories. I might have been there. Well folks, we're going to log into
1: uh ancestor.com and Chris is going to give some more stuff about who he's related to. Maybe he may be related to some of us in here. So we're going to take a quick break, have some banana pudding and reminisce about that. Got a couple surprises for you at the end of the show. We're going to talk a little bit more about the uh, uh, more recent years of the ST's Brothers band as we've been going over their history and memories and it's been time is flying. It's been a great show, but stand by. Take a listen to a word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Crossing, where the music meets the memories.
5: Sun's out, plows out, folks. It's time to get your gardens planted. When you need your planting supplies, T.R. Thomas Mill in Cole Mountain is the place you need to go. Come in and get your seeds for your corn, peas, turnips, and beans. We got half runners and full runners. Don't forget, you got to have some manure for fertilizer. T.R. Thomas Mill. Hey, we're in Coal Mountain, Spot Road, USA, across from Jan's Jeans.
2: It was listening to Freeborn Man again. We heard that song at the uh, beginning of the podcast, and we wanted to hear a little bit more of it. So thank you, Steve, for giving us that. The Good Doctor. I could listen to that stuff all night long. I wish—that uh,
1: was a that was a term back in—or the thing back in there. Everybody was like, is there any S.T.'s Brothers Live stuff floating around from back in death? <laughs> I was afraid it would all have been lost when I was talking to you guys. I'm like— I'm
3: sure it was on a cassette
1: or something. They probably throwed it away back before all the technology got about.
3: I remember Stan had some, but I knew that I didn't. But I mean, we we recorded quite a bit, but you know, God knows whatever happened to it. So I'm glad he hung on to. There's
1: always one in the group that's the historian <laughs> and the. We
3: never had any paint, great. Right?
1: We
4: never had any really great uh, uh, recording gear. Like I say, Shane had a super scope little Superscope deck, and uh, just a little bit of a tiny cassette deck, and we just popped it in the board you know and there was no you know no no way we could fix it (laughs) so
3: it was what it was yeah Mm -hmm.
1: so as we progress on into the uh recent years of uh the st's brothers band formation you guys brought in the horn section right or i guess you may have brought them in earlier than that i wouldn't how long was it before you decided you?
4: They worked. Uh, they worked some the early days, uh, right. um, As well, um, we we as we begin to ramp back up uh, in the, about the last ten years that we were working, uh, we brought in uh, Cindy Martin, uh, all, as well as John Mize and Rex Talent, uh, all on brass, and uh, they had the same mindset about the music as we did. I think. Yeah, uh, they worked hard at. It. They, they did. Really did, and uh, it really. It was just another thing. That, you know another another block on the building, uh, that sort of made the Estes brothers a little bit, a little bit different. Now, would they
1: work kind of separately, practice and rehearse a little bit, kind of on their own, and then bring their stuff in with you guys, and then start rehearsing, or was it all just one?
3: Well, they had to. I mean, because they had to do all the transposing and all that stuff you have to do with the brass. So they would say, you know, what songs you're going to learn and what key you're going to do it in. And I think a lot of times we would even um, at rehearsal we would. Play play the song through, they would record it and take the recording back, and that's what they used to work off of.
4: Wrote all their own arrangements pretty well, too, because yeah. you know, uh, um,
3: they're they were they're superb.
4: You know, they're a they're superb brass section.
2: And when you're dealing with a brass section, I guess you just let them do their thing, right?
3: Pretty is much. It, is pretty it really, much. I
2: mean... I wouldn't know what to do if you brought in a a full horn section into a band that I was in, even if I was the one that was leading the group, never led a group, just always been an accompaniment, so to speak. But I wouldn't even begin to know to tell a horn section what to do.
4: Well, they have been trained by the great lawn turner. Uh, at at precise county high school and uh they they knew their business and one of the things that they were very good at was they would say are we doing too much here and you know we'd say well try it you know try it straight through just you know try a straight note there and see how it sounds and they were they were very good at they were willing to you know meet in the middle to make it better
1: so, who had the original idea for the horns to bring them in, or was it just
3: I don't remember i mean we were we were always friends, and we knew that they played and and I don't remember how the idea came about if they just said, "Hey, you know, why don't we um?" I throwing some horns at this. And, and you know, the, the style of music that we were doing, obviously, at the time, this, you know, Skinner had horns. And, I mean, there was quite a bit of that kind of stuff going on. So uh, it was kind of a natural progression for that. But uh, as far as the initial, I, I don't remember.
4: I'll tell you, if you get used to playing with them, you're ruined. Really? Uh, I would think so. Uh, it's just great.
3: It was such a full sound. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you get up there with two guitar players, bass, and may, did they play with some, we had two drummers, or mm-hmm. was it always just one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, you know, two drummers, two guitars, bass, keys, and, and the brass. I mean, I think there was nine of us, ten of us mm-hmm. on stage at one time. So
1: And road uh, crew was how many?
3: Yeah, I don't know. We Sound man? You, sound yeah, man? usually three. Yeah. yeah.
4: Usually at least three. Uh, three on the road crew, and Jeff
3: McGinnis did. He did our sound for a long time. Long no, time. Jeff did sound up at Lanierland for a long time. Mm. So, uh, but yeah, there was there was a bunch of us. But you know, as time went on, we were. We had such a following that we were actually making more than the six hundred dollars. You know, at that point in time, we actually pulled down some pretty decent money, and that and it made it where everybody can make a little money. You know, so that makes was, it a lot more fun. Yeah, was that was that more was, on
2: private gigs or was that?
3: Uh, I mean, pretty club. much everywhere we played. Well, even the clubs because we brought such a following in, and everybody, you know, they like. Their alcohol, you know, so uh, the club owners obviously like that. So yeah, we didn't win-win. Yeah, it was.
4: We we kind of developed a name for a club draw or a mm-hmm. draw anywhere, you know, and and uh, um, they kind of knew some, you know their crowd's going to be there. You know, we need we need to get get packed up, you know, <laughs> so get stored up here. But uh, you know, we, we got a uh, we had a reputation for drawing people, uh, and. Uh, um, it, we we'd love to see them coming in, too.
3: <laughs> you know, it was kind of like a class reunion every time yeah, we really. played. We used yeah. to joke about that because it's like people we hadn't seen in years. And and I, that was part of the draw. Is that it, it was just like a big party and big class reunion every time we played somewhere.
2: It just sounds like an amazing time that you could have a band that could establish a following. Right now, to to have a band, to draw a crowd, you got to be a tribute band. Yeah. that's the big thing now. You gotta have, you gotta be a tribute to Journey, or you gotta be a tribute to ACDC, or whatever. So I mean, you have to be this tribute um, to really get a strong following. Now, you know, granted, across the wide local mm-hmm. local group of guys, you know, they have a good good friend, uh, a mm-hmm. good good following, and, yeah. and we all know them. Um, so it's great, you know, that they have a have a good crowd. But I mean, it's just hard to find um, um, a, a, a solid
3: crowd anymore for just. A band, well, you know, and, and everything's changed too. I mean, I I was really glad when, um, Doable Tavern opened up and provided a little bit of a new venue for people to, to play. You know, of course, it's gone now. So it's uh, not a
1: lot of them out anywhere. That's hmm. the hardest thing is finding anywhere to play nowadays.
4: Yeah,
3: yeah, seriously. Because Forsyth County is loaded with musicians and very, I mean, very talented people. And I think some... there's
4: something in the water.
3: Yeah. Uh, that, I mean, well, Chris
1: said we're all related. So, I mean, <laughs> wow, I I that's like that
3: could be. But,
1: uh, so, you guys went on a, a hiatus probably for a little while in, in those last several years and
2: stuff. But then you kind of reformed a little bit and mm-hmm. came back and kind of well, got was, the old itch going. When did you go on hiatus? What year was that that y'all kind of maybe
4: uh, packed stuff up for a little while? I'm thinking it's about 1990. Right 90s? In that's what I was well, thinking somewhere.
2: Because I know was, y'all were selling some equipment in uh nineteen ninety nine because I bought some of it. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, we,
6: I it, went, I, work? worked,
2: <laughs> I don't remember. I was in a band I was in a punk punk rock band in the early nineties and uh one of my one of my bandmates uh had mentioned something they I think they said that the Estes brothers was selling some of their equipment mm-hmm. yeah. and we drove to one of y'all's houses. The, the weird part,
3: part we were playing uh, that was at a time when we were playing like back to back to back to back and rehearsing and everything, and then we um, we played like the last thing that we had booked, and all of a sudden, you know, a couple of weeks went by and, and nobody called each other, and a couple more weeks by, and it was obvious everybody was burnt out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and that just kind of went on and went on, and that's when kind of when that happened, you know.
4: I worked for about a year with a band called Borderline. And uh, they had a bus. That was great. And uh, um, they now they they could play some honky tonks. Is that uh,
1: Hank Hank uh, Bird. Hank yeah. Bird? Yeah. yeah,
4: yeah, I know him. Yeah, yeah we we played some honky tonks with that, that. But y'all
1: movie. came back and did some shows at the Coming Playhouse. Has that been a few years ago, right? Yeah. five years ago no, no longer than long 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 that.
3: Long i mean we've done two three or four up there but the first but the first, the first one.
1: big one was actually simulcast on the radio station one night mm-hmm. or something yeah, there was, was it have yeah. forgotten about it, it was. Was.
4: Mm-hmm. yeah it was. sure was uh i remember they asked uh you know william mathis we were raised right across the road from william mathis and they asked him i so, said you going to see the boys and he said i've heard them plenty <laughs> <laughs> he said no i'm not said,
1: got enough of them <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> But, yeah, y'all had a couple of night runs out there sold out. That
3: that coming place house, is just It's got a good sound to it. It's beautiful. I mean, it's like you really didn't didn't even have to use much PA. Uh -uh. Stan can tell you that. He he mixes up there, used to some. Still does that, I think. And uh, it's just the acoustics in there are beautiful.
4: That's one of the things I've been doing sort of keep my, you know... uh, a finger wet in the water i just yeah i've been doing a lot of sound for the concert venues up there uh, the concert shows and uh you know just doing the music i think but i i really enjoy it it's got, we've got a good system in there now it's a really good place
1: so what else are you guys got going on now as far as hobbies and work and stuff what do y'all do now
3: uh i do real estate photography and video so that's um uh, Keeps me busy. on Flying in drones. Flying drones. Yeah, I do fly a drone, and um, that's exactly. Right. Did, did you get locked in a truck the other day or something? <laughs> well, it's <was> kind of <laughs> tell that story. story. Quick. I'll, I'll, I've I'll, heard this story. I'll tell the the quick end of it. Usually, <laughs> when I when I shoot real estate, we like for all the vehicles to be out of the driveway. So we I got to this shoot and there was a truck sitting in the driveway. And I asked the realtor. I said, Hey, you know what we're going to do about this truck? And he said, Well, go ahead and shoot inside, and then I'll see if I can get in touch with the guy. So I got through shooting inside and ready to shoot the outside, and he said, I never did get in touch with the guy. Just get the keys and move it out on the road. So I got the keys, put it in there, and closed the door. The battery was dead. So I thought, well, crap, you know. So I went to open the door, and it didn't have a door handle. So I was sitting there in this truck, just stuck, and then so I slid over on the passenger side, and it was locked, and I and it wouldn't open either. So I got stuck in this truck for like 30 minutes. <laughs> Could not get out. People I was trying to get neighbors' attention. You know, it's like one couple they drove by, looked at me and waved her hand and drove on out, you know. <laughs> finally a jogger so look like the <laughs> yeah, yeah. And finally a jogger came by and I, I beat on the windshield, you know, and, and she walked over. She said, Are you stuck? And I said, Uh yeah, I am stuck. <laughs> And she couldn't get the doors either, and I had to pass the keys out a little window in the back, and she got me out. But, and then it, but oddly enough, I had another realtor call and say, "Hey, are you the guy that got stuck in the truck?" So I did pick up a shoot from getting stuck in a truck. All of these so. years of playing
1: guitar and being with the ST's Brothers Band, you're famous, famous for getting locked in a truck. Famous yeah. yeah.
3: for locked in a truck.
1: <laughs> and Stan, you got like the horse stuff going on. You're training horses and stuff. I've still? been
4: I've been a horse trainer since I was twelve, and uh, I've worked with uh, really severe. Problem cases um, with uh, in training cases. Of, I have horses brought in from all over the southeast, and I'm semi-retired now. I Tell just, us about um, there was a documentary on you.
3: Yeah, it's yeah. a BBC yeah. thing. Well, yeah, we're... I was
4: filmed. I was fortunate enough to be filmed by the British Broadcasting Corporation a couple of years ago. Uh, they'd heard about my work, and uh, they sent a team over from London and spent three days at the farm and some really nice folks and they even I, i'm glad they had a good makeup person you know it's a,
3: uh, it, it was, was beautiful a, i mean they did a great job of they did him yeah. and the horses and the scenery and everything it, it they really showcased
4: and it and it rained every day yeah uh they were
3: saying well, they're used we, to we, that yeah, they're from so, england
4: they kept saying so we need some light we need light i said so, yeah it's not going i'm afraid
1: but well, lucky for you you don't need any makeup with this gig we got going here so just, just <laughs> yeah, need some good so. sharp, sharp, sharp. We sharp, definitely, sharp. yeah we
2: definitely uh, uh cow and i have faces for radio
1: <laughs> gentlemen thank you both for coming by tonight I'm, i've looked up to you two guys as part of my musical heroes for a while and chris and i actually got to play with you guys before so notches in our that was a that gun was a great night. feathers in our cap we've had some fun that was playing. A great hopefully night. we can do it again i wish they'd have
2: brought their guitars with them they could have picked the song for us well, I'm pretty sure they did. <laughs>
1: did
3: you I first? saw I him walking come in. Up. With him. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Guy told me are a good
2: musician. Has told me one, one time he my... said,
1: "Always carry your guitar. Just leave it in the car, and you always go back and get good. it." Well,
2: yeah. you know, I'm notorious for leaving mine in the trunk of my car. I catch so much hell mm-hmm. by leaving my rig in the back of my car. Yeah, I won't. He do says that. it seasons it out good. Yeah, I'd helps get seasoned. <laughs> I ruined one that
4: way. <laughs> um, not me, I...
1: <laughs> folks. We're gonna take one more quick break, and we're gonna come back. With uh, Stan and Shane. I think they're going to pick out a tune for I'll, I'll give you a fair warning. Steve's a heck of a guitar player and it's his place, so he may want to set in and That's back y'all up a little bit. So great. let him have it. Well, let's see. Folks, we'll be right
6: back. You listen to The Crossing where the music meets the memories. You probably haven't checked the propane tank lately. It's when the pilot light goes out that you finally notice, right? And now you're in a bind. Who do you call? Mills Fuel Service right now. Mills Fuel has provided North Georgia with fast, courteous service and clean propane for over 50 years. So don't let the tank hit rock bottom. Call Mills today, 706-265-3394. Three locations to serve you coming Dawsonville and Dahlonega online at millsfuelservice.com.
5: Come see us at Pete's Castle in Cold Mountain. Get yourself some hoop cheese or salty fish right out of the barrel. Or fill her up with some fresh petrol, regular and ethyl. Lance crackers are a good cold knee high. Don't forget to try your luck out on her punch board. New ones every week. Located on Highway 9 in Cold Mountain, that's Pete's Castle, where the customer is the king.
1: Folks, welcome back to The Crossing. Chris and Cal sitting here talking with Stan and Shane, and we have enjoyed this last hour we spent with them. We could spend three more hours with them because there's a lot of memories, and we've heard a lot that y'all didn't even get to hear, so if y'all tap us on the shoulder one day, if you see us out, we may tell you a secret or two about them, but they've brought their guitars. We're going to turn them loose. We're going to let them play a song right here and uh, just let them do what made them famous. So we present to you, Stan Sts and Shane Pruitt of the Estes Brothers Band. Thank you all for joining in. Thanks for having us.
4: We'll mm-hmm. be Ever mile of railroad, ever mile of railroad track. I
3: didn't know who was going to do that first. I didn't either.
4: <laughs> <laughs> What's it been about 30 years? <laughs>
0: The Crossing, where music meets memories, is recorded at Do South Productions high atop the Doc Hawkum building in downtown Coal Mountain, and is recorded and mixed by Steve Thomason and hosted by Chris Cheatham and Coal Mountain Cal Heard. Theme music written, performed, and recorded by Wendell Cox. The Crossing is a production of Roadhog Studios and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Due South Productions, or at least a text message from Cal or Chris. That'll do too. All rights reserved. All right, we'll catch you next time on The Crossing.